1: G'day, and welcome to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Today we're going to be going through all 15 teams in the Western Conference, talking about who they've lost, who they've added, and if there are any fantasy basketball winners and losers to talk about. Let's go!
0: Jordan open, Chicago with the lead! to
1: shot! A- not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice.
0: Right. Back out to Allen, his three-pointer, man! Curry for three, wow! Unbelievable! Making it rain in New York. We the North are now, we the champions. Not the destination, this is the
1: journey. out. G'day and welcome again to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at ballboysfantasy.com. Today, like we said at the top here, we're going to go through all 15 teams in the Western Conference. We've already done the 15 teams in the Eastern Conference, so if you haven't already, guys, go and check that video out on YouTube or on wherever you get your podcast and come back to this one after you have done so, or you can do it the other way around, it doesn't really matter. Um, so today, similar to that one, we're going to go through all 15 teams, we're talking about uh, it's a bit of a revision on you know what happened in free agency, what happened in the draft, all the trades that went down and breaking down from a fantasy basketball perspective, the winners and losers, who's going to see an increase in value and who might see a dip in value coming into the next season. So this is the beginning of our preseason for the 2023-24 fantasy basketball season. So I'm hyped. We're getting back into it. Um, yeah let's get into it straight away. Get, make sure you guys are subscribed and like the video if you haven't already. So let's start off from the top. Going alphabetically, we're going to Dallas. No, Dallas, obviously, they had a pretty busy offseason. So in terms of their comings and goings, they lost Reggie Bullock, Justin Holliday, and potentially Christian Wood. I'm not 100% sure. He's not signed by any team at the moment. I don't think Dallas is going to be re-signing him. So I put him in here. I don't think he's going to be coming back to this team, but he could he is obviously still unsigned. Um, they added in Grant Williams, Seth Curry, Rashawn Holmes, Derek Lively. They drafted in the in the in the draft um, and Olivia Maxon's Prosper. I think is how you spell that one or pronounce that one. Correct me if I'm incorrect there. Um, so I think there's obviously a lot of shuffling around here. None of the huge pieces obviously moved. Luca and Kyrie are still obviously there. So um, in terms of winners, I think potentially we could see. Rashawn Holmes, the return of Sean Holmes come back into fantasy relevance now. To what capacity remains to be seen a little bit here because it's not as though he's coming into this team and I think just running away with a 35-minute-a-night role and dominating, putting up top 60 numbers, which I think we've seen him do in the past. But I definitely is better for him being behind a Devonis Sabonis. He could potentially be the starting center on this team. You do still have Maxi Kleber, Dwight Powell, JaVale McGee on this team, who, especially those first two, Maxi Kleber and Dwight Powell, do still get a few minutes. You've drafted a Derek Lively, um, who is a big shot-blocking center, who does potentially have some range after the three-point line, who... You know, is probably their future at that center spot, but for this season, I think my bet would be Rashawn Holmes is the starting guy there at the moment, but it's far from confirmed. So I think based on where he was, it's definitely he's a winner, but I'm not locking him in to be sort of the starter or anything like that. So at this stage, he's definitely no more than a late round flyer at this point, but one for us to monitor as a bit of a position battle over the. Um, the preseason, I think Maxi Kleber, Dwight Power, Javel McGee, they're all losers just with an extra couple of centers coming into this team. Despite, obviously, Christian Wood going, you've got Rashawn Holmes and Derek Lava coming in. So um, when they potentially could have seen an increase in minutes, they haven't. So I think that is fair to say that they are losers. Let's move on to the next team. Um, Denver, a little bit more simple with the Denver guys. They've lost Bruce Brown, Thomas Bryant, and Jeff Green. So Green and Brown, fairly decent uh, rotation guys in that team. They've added in Justin Holiday, so I think a couple of minor winners in sort of maybe deeper leagues here. KCP and Christian Brown, I think, are the guys who will benefit the most. Kind of, especially uh, Christian Brown, displayed an ability in the playoffs and in their finals run to at least sort of be serviceable. Is not going to be a huge fantasy producer, so definitely uh, deep teams only, in my opinion. But. KCP had stretches where he was a fantasy-relevant player in Standard Leagues last year. He could do the same again. But again, his upside is very limited and he gets his value a lot on efficiency, some steals, some threes, low turnovers. It's it's nothing super exciting um, in my opinion. So I still think it's going to be much the same for Denver this season from a fantasy basketball point of view. So yeah, we won't spend... Too we long talking about them. The next team here, Golden State Warriors. Now, they were also pretty busy. They obviously traded Jordan Poole, um, you know, for Chris Paul. And they also lost Dante DiVincenzo and added in the aforementioned Chris Paul. They also added Dario Saric, Corey Joseph, and drafted Brandon Podzimski. Um Again, hopefully I've said that and pronounced that right. So, when it comes to their rotation couple of big minutes guys coming out. Potentially a couple of big minutes guys coming back in in Chris Paul. So, how does it all shake out from a fantasy basketball perspective? Now, I imagine that Chris Paul is going to be coming off the bench for this team. I don't think he will be starting. Now, I think he will still play a decent amount of minutes. And I think that he is going to be a guy that plays maybe the mid-20s, potentially high 20s in minutes. Um, with their starting lineup being Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, and Kevon Looney. Now, they could if they want to start Chris Paul and Steph Curry together and move Looney to the bench. I don't know if they're going to be doing that because I think it works well with him coming off the bench and, and he and Draymond kind of overlap from a skill set point of view in terms of players who are good facilitators but not high usage scorers reluctant three-point shooters as well Chris Paul especially in the last couple of seasons and Draymond just through sheer talent <laughs> and ability to shoot um so I still think they're going to keep that same starting lineup but Chris Paul is going to be their sixth man off the bench I also think that this potentially helps a Clay Thompson and a guy that I really like in Moses Mooney with um uh, Jordan Poole being uh, moved on from this team. So I think that just by the usage that Poole um, provided, the shots that he took, Chris Paul's not going to step in and take that from a scoring and usage point of view. He will, you know, steal some assists and things like that from, you know, uh, Steph Curry and some of those other guys. But um, in terms of points, I don't think he's going to affect them. So. I think those are going to go more to Clay Thompson, Moses Moody, potential potentially Steph Curry and Wiggins as well. But I think Clay and Moody are the guys who are going to benefit the most. Um, very keen on Moses Moody as I have been the last couple of years. I've had to be patient, but I think we could potentially see either this season or next season him to really step up and become that guy that might potentially eventually, you know, supplant a uh, Clay Thompson and those other guys as their shooting guard slash small forward. On this team, the losers. I think Chris Paul is a bit of a loser going from Phoenix to Golden State. Like I said, I expect him to come off the bench at this stage. I still think he's going to be playing decent minutes, but he is definitely trending down. He is—he's a guy uh, thirty-eight. I want to say I'll just double check that. Um, but thirty-eight years old. Look, I still think he's going to get his assists. He's going to get some decent enough steals, but the scoring is going to be low. He's not going to shoot many threes. Um, uh, well, at least he hasn't in the past. Maybe in the Golden State system, he's encouraged to shoot more threes. Last year, he was a 32nd ranked player, sh- scoring 14 points, nine assists, one and a half steals. I can see that closer to sort of 11 or 12 points. Maybe instead of nine assists, it's closer to sort of six or seven assists, um, just because the minutes come down from 32 to maybe 27, 26 minutes per night. Steals might drop down to just above one. So just a reduction, I think, all of his stats as those minutes potentially drop down um, as they kind of preserve him for the playoffs um, this year because, you know, they've got Steph Curry, they've got Draymond Green, they've got a lot of guys that can sort of do tertiary playmaking on this team. So I think in terms of he being that dominant guy that, you know, Pounds the ball and and play makes sets up the whole thing. Golden State doesn't really operate that way. It's more of that motion offense. And I think Chris Paul, from a fantasy point of view, that's not the best thing for him. So I think that he is potentially someone who, I don't know if I'm going to be drafting a lot of this year. um, Depending, of course, where he goes in drafts. But I think from a value point of view, he is a loser. Let's move on to the Houston Rockets. (laughs) Now, the Houston Rockets, where do I start with these boys? Uh, Lots of different things going on. I think the Houston Rockets are going to be the most frustrating team in fantasy hoops this season, and probably for the next few seasons. uh, Dynasty managers probably are all aware of the loaded talent on this team um, and the headache that figuring out where the bloody minutes are going to go on this team is going to... Test us all year long, I think. So let's go through their addings and uh, who they lost. They lost KJ Martin, Josh Christopher, Tai Tai Washington, and Usman Garuba. So a few guys that, especially KJ Martin, played a little bit, but a lot of mostly debt pieces. But then they've added the big one, Fred Van Vliet, Dylan Brooks on that big uh, deal. I think four years, 20 million. Um, the number four draft picked in Amen Thompson, who, you know, I think should have gone number three. Um, Cam Whitmore, who slid way too far in the draft. And they've also added Jock Landau, Jeff Green, and Aaron Holiday as vets to this team. So. Lots of talent coming in, not too much talent leaving this team. And we were already in Houston having trouble, you know, with the likes of Tari Eason and Alperen and Shingun and some of those big guys. That was a bit of a, a funny thing at the start of last season. So where do we expect the team to sort of end up? I think there's no winners in, in this situation for the Houston Rockets. I think this is going to be a tough situation to project. I think if we're going to call winners for basically not losing value, I think our uh, Prince Shangoon is probably the one that is the least likely to be affected by these guys coming in because I don't think Jock Landale is going to come in and sort of take his starting spot or anything off him. I think his minutes are fairly safe, although there is a small risk that they play more small ball with the additions of Brooks, Whitmore, Tyrese, and Jabari Smith getting a year under their belts. Um that's the only risk for Sengun. Um, losers, I think the main loser here is Kevin Porter Jr. With Fred VanVleet coming in and Amen Thompson coming into this team, I think his point guard responsibilities are going to be much more limited this season. So that's a loss for him. Um, his assists are probably going to drop. He probably is going to see a reduction in minutes and a usage as well. So I think he's going to take the biggest hit of this team. I also think that Jalen Green is going to take a bit of a hit just with more talent coming onto this team um he's a guy that relies a lot on points um to get his value he hasn't done it super efficiently so far he's a guy that i've never really been all in on and to this point it's kind of proven right i'm still not writing him off but i'm definitely starting to think okay was i really right to be you know hesitant on this guy um I don't know if he's the most talented player on this team anymore. I'm a big fan of the Thompson Twins. Um, now, not there's very different players, obviously, but in terms of what he does from a fantasy point of view, when you add players like Dylan Brooks, who, whilst it's not a great player, he likes to take a lot of shots. Fred Van Vliet, who is a good player, who will take more shots than, obviously, losing someone like Tate Washington and KJ Martin. Um, you know, you've got another year of Jabari Smith. Tari Eason's got another year. Amen Thompson's coming to this team. So I think just from... Him losing usage and sharing more of the ball in this talented Rocks, uh, Rockets team, he's definitely someone I think is a loser. And then Tari Eason, you've you've added Cam Whitmore, you've added a Man Thompson, um, Jabari Smith is still there. You've got Fred VanVleet. This this lineup is going to be incredibly frustrating to predict. We had the frustrations last year. We know the talent is there for Tari. He played great in summer league, so. It, it, there's just more bodies on this team now, and it trying to get a starting five for this team is very difficult. I think you've got Shangoon is going to start, I think. Um, you've got Fred Van Vliet and Jalen Green, I think, are going to start as well. I think Jabari is going to be there at the four, and then the guy at the three uh, at this stage, I think, is Dylan Brooks. I think... Um Look, I could see Jalen Green at the three and a men Thompson playing at the two, potentially. I don't know if they're going to do that, but it might not be long until that is the case. I think Kevin Porter Jr. and Tari Eason are likely to come off the bench and probably a man at the start of the season, but I can see him pushing into it later. Ken Whitmore, we might not even see much this season, um, despite him having a great uh, summer league. Plus, you throw in Jay Sean Tate into the mix as well, and it's just quite confusing, so... I think for that reason, Tyrese is a loser just because of the unknown of him and uh, obviously the cluttered lineup that is the Houston Rockets. But I'd be very interested to know what you guys think over on YouTube. Drop it down in the comments. Give me your projected Houston Rockets starting lineup and um, who you think are going to be the most valuable Rockets from a fantasy basketball point of view this season because um, probably one of the hardest things for me to project Uh, At the moment, that is. All right, let's move on to the next one. We have the LA Clippers going from very confusing to very straightforward. The Clippers, basically, they added uh, KJ Martin from the Rockets, Kobe Brown, who they drafted, and lost Eric Gordon. Winners, none. Losers, none. I don't think much is going to change for the Clippers here. They are, again, probably still a very confusing team for a lot of reasons that they were last year, with Morris, Powell, now KJ Martin Jr., Batum, Covington, um, Terence Mann, Bones Highland, Westbrook, Marcus Morris, Plumley, Zubach, all of these guys, rotation, um, key rotation pieces on a lot of other teams, but for this team, some of them aren't going to play every night. Um, so I think you've, you've got the, the two big guys in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. The rest of these guys are going to be much tougher to rely on and predict moving forward this season. So not too much changing there from that point of view. The Clippers, the Lakers over in the same city there, um, they had a bit more going on. So they lost Troy Brown, Malik Beasley, Mo Bamba, Lonnie Walker, and Dennis Schroeder all left the team. And they've added Gabe Vincent, Jackson Hayes, Cam Reddish, and drafted Jalen hood Shafino. A little bit more tough to sort of read on where they go moving forward from here. Look, a lot of the comings and goings are rotation bench guys moving around, Um Potentially, we could see Gabe Vincent start for them. I I wouldn't put money on it, but I think he'll be a guy that's at least maybe a six-man for them. Um, I've got the winners here as potentially Austin Reeves. Some people think that he might start at the shooting guard position next to D'Angelo Russell. That could p- definitely potentially happen. Um, kind of him and Gabe Vincent maybe fighting out for that spot there. Um, I don't necessarily think Cam Reddish is going to put his hand up for the mix. Um... And I've also put Jackson Hayes here potentially, only in the situation that Anthony Davis doesn't want to play center and they want to put Jackson Hayes in there as the center. I, I think that's less likely to happen. And I probably do think they start with the Rui and Anthony Davis front court or even LeBron at power forward. They could go with Jared Vanderbilt. So there's a few different situations there. But Hayes was kind of buried behind JV and you know he had Zion and stuff there in New Orleans. So I think it's a slight win for him because there's less talent in the front court outside of Anthony Davis than on the Pelicans. But still it's probably not enough to really change. Um and losers here, D'Angelo Russell. I think I've seen a few people sort of say, does Vincent start over Russell with and you have a Vincent Reeves starting backcourt? I'll push back on that. I think Deandre Russell is still definitely the starting point guard, but there's a lot of people unhappy with Deandre Russell, uh, Laker fans that I've seen around on Twitter and things like that. So he might just get, you know, just move down the pecking order a little bit, but I think it's very marginal, if at all. But I just threw him in there as a loser, potentially just because of the inclusion of Gabe Vincent. All right, next team, Memphis Grizzlies. Now, obviously... Lost here, Dylan Brooks and Tyus Jones. They also have the Jamarant suspension for the first 25 games of the season, but he will be back, obviously. They've added and traded for my guy. Very sad to see leave him, see him leave in Marcus Smart. Derek Rose, and they drafted Gigi Jackson. Um, so in terms of their rotation, I think at the start of the season, you'll see Marcus Smart start. You'll probably see... I want to say Luke Kennard starts at the guard, the shooting guard position and Desmond Bain. Maybe it's small forward. Maybe it's Jake Laravia at small forward and Desmond Bain at the two. That last position, that fifth position is going to be a bit up in the air. But I think Desmond Bain, regardless, is a winner. You've lost Dylan Brooks. Okay, so I think that is the main reason there. Dylan Brooks took a lot of shots. He absorbed a lot of usage when he was out there. Whereas I think they want that to be Desmond Bain. And especially early in the season, He's probably going to be the number one guy on offense, number two when Ja comes back. So I think he's a a slight winner. And I think the loser, when he is back, could potentially be a Ja just because Marcus Smart coming in instead of a Dylan Brooks. Now, you get a bump in usage, but you also probably get a hit in assists. So I think that... Jamarant, now he averaged, I think, career high last year, eight assists per game. Um, so I think I expect him more to be around that six to seven range rather than over eight. So he averaged 8.1 the year before he was 6.7, the year before that 7.4, 7.3. So I see him more close to that. It's it's only one assist short or one and a half assists he might lose, but I see him more in that six and a half to seven assists range, um, not the eights that he put up last year. So... I still think he's going to average close to 30 points when he's back. Um, So from that point of view, it's fine. But those assists are a big part of his value. They're his most valuable um, stat, actually. So if you see that drop, I think that's a slight hit to his value with Marcus Smart coming over from the Celtics. All right, let's move on to the next team here. Transitional work. Minnesota, another pretty boring team here. They lost Torian Prince. They added Troy Brown Jr., Leonard Miller in the draft, and uh, Shake Milton has come over. Winners, losers, I don't really see too much really changing over at Minnesota. Um, I still think that this is Anthony Edwards' team. Be interesting to see how they go about the big man rotation um, with Towns and Gobert proving really to be a failure last year, it has to be said. So I think not much really changes for this team. Um, so. We'll just move on. We'll move on right away. Let's not spend too long on them. New Orleans, Pelicans, again, pretty boring team. A lot of these guys around the middle here will be pretty boring. Josh Richardson, they lost, as well as Jackson Hayes, which we spoke about. And they've added Cody Zeller and Jordan Hawkins, who they drafted. Um, Winners and losers, I don't see a major standout here. You could potentially sell me on Dyson Daniels being a bit of a winner, just because you've lost a couple of vets in... Rich, Well, you lost Josh Richardson, you've added Jordan Hawkins in, so there's kind of a wing guard spot kind of up for grabs, and he kind of moves up the pecking order. And I think I'm still a huge fan of Dyson Daniels and like what he does. So you could convince me that he's a bit of a winner, but not really enough to sort of affect standard leagues. That's more of a dynasty thing to focus on. So not too much going on there for standard leagues at this stage for the Pelicans. And uh, it, all eyes is really just based on um, what's going to happen with Zion. And is he healthy? How much will he play this season moving forward? So we'll have to wait and see closer to the season for that. Um, all right, let's move on to Oklahoma City now. They lost Dario Saric. They added Cason Wallace. And I've put in here that they, they added Chet Holmgren. He was already on their team, but he's healthy now. And uh, he will... Fingers crossed, knock on wood, to play big minutes this season. So, he's going to be the biggest change to this team moving forward. Um, I'm a big fan of, of Chet. I think he's going to, um, you know, there's still going to be a lot of hype with him. Maybe not as much as there is in Victor Weminyamba. One of my hot takes this year is that Chet will be better in terms of fantasy than a Victor Weminyama. I'm not sure how hot of a take that is, but I think Victor's draft is going to be, people are going to be drafting him more for the hype, whereas Chet, to be seen. But I think in terms of how that affects their lineup moving forward, I'll be interested to see if they want to play him starting at the four or at the five. I think he's more of a five, and they don't really have many fives that play You know, next to him that are sort of, you know, big bruises or anything like that. You've got Jalen Williams with the Y, Usman Garuba, who they got from the Rockets, and Jeremiah Robertson-Earl. Who are you guys that play at the five? I don't know how much you want to prioritize them versus just getting Jalen Williams and um, players like, who am I forgetting, Usman Jiang out there who can play that four. And just just get the talent onto the court because I don't think those other guys really move the needle talent-wise. So I think he'll be a, he'll be a five. I think your other starters are Josh Gideon Shea, obviously. Jalen Williams, who I expect to start at power forward. The next one is kind of up for grabs. I've got Lou Dort in there for now, but I think that he could potentially be a bit of a loser with Kaysen Wallace coming in, um, Usman Jiang impressing in the Summer League as well. So I think you could see a situation where even Kaysen Wallace starts for this team you know, he is a good defensive guy. You can play Gideon Shea next to a player like Case and Wallace because of their size. So I think you could see like a three guard and two big men with Williams kind of being like a smaller a wing kind of type guy in the power forward position. They could do a bunch of different things here, but I think Lou Dort is someone that... Will lose out. I don't think he's really a draftable player this season. Trey Mann, I think, also loses out. I think there's some reports that he wants out of this team because of the addition of Case and Wallace. So I think he loses out. And Poku is uh, kind of being replaced by Chet Holmgren, and I think he is still injured and maybe injured for a fair chunk of this season as well. So I think he is someone who, whilst we had hopes for him at one point, I think we uh, have to let Poku go at this stage because um, I think Williams and Chet are going to be their guys in the front court for the future. All right, let's move to the Phoenix Suns. Now, lot's going on here for Phoenix. Obviously, the blockbuster move for them was getting Bradley Beal. Um, they lost Chris Paul, Landry Shamet, Jock Landau, and Tory Craig in the process. But they've also added on top of Bradley Beal, Eric Gordon, Bol Bowl, which, you know, he's on the posters. He's the big four. Or whatever, you can I'd push back on that. They've also added Utah Watanabe, Drew Eubanks, and Shamezi Metu to this team as well. So outside of excuse me while I, you know, lose my voice here, um outside of Bradley Beale, you've got a bunch of different bench and rotation guys. So this team is really going to be centered around the big three here. It's it's pretty obvious it's the Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant show with DeAndre Ayton locking down that center position. The starting two or starting point guard or starting three position, depending if they play Booker at point guard or not, um, is up for debate at this stage. I have to think that Devin Booker will be their point guard because otherwise they've got Jordan Goodwin and Saban Lee on this team. And I don't think you want to give them major minutes. So I think Booker will be the point guard here. Now you could argue maybe that's a plus because he's performed really well at point guard. But I think the addition of Beal, you know, obviously you've got Durant still there, who was there last year. Um, I just think that it's a net negative for all of them. Um, When you have this many talented players on your team, they're obviously going to share the ball a lot. Now, hopefully they can get the rotation right where you're going to have probably two, if not at least one of these guys on the court at all times. And a lot of it will go through those three. Um, You could also put DeAndre Ayton as a bit of a loser here just because of the points he's probably not going to get. Um, But he'll still get you rebounds and good field goal percentage. Um, And maybe blocks if he wants to start trying on defense. Who knows? We'll see. But I think all of them just kind of lose out a little bit in terms of just dropping usage. Um, I don't think that Chris Paul leaving is enough to offset... Bradley Beale coming in. Um, maybe we see a spike in Booker's assists, a reduction in his points and free throw attempt rate. Bradley Beale's going to take probably the biggest loss of all of these guys because he wasn't playing next to anyone with huge, huge usage prior to moving over there. So I think he is going to be the guy that loses the most. Um, Kevin Durant always seems to be Kevin Durant no matter where he plays. And he's still done well in, you know, like the Warriors in, in years past. But you know, he's a little bit older than, than then. Um, so I think it is, again, still just a little small negative for him, but he should still be Kevin Durant and Booker. Not quite as big of a hit than Beal, but I think all of them do lose slightly. Um, and you could also throw in Aiton into that mix as well. All right, so moving on, Portland Trailblazers. Now the big elephant in the room here, Damien Lillard requesting the trade hasn't been moved at time of recording. So if he is traded between me recording this and the the podcast coming out, ignore everything I have to say here. But at this stage, I don't expect that to happen. I don't expect it to happen maybe even by the start of the season. It could drag on close to the trade deadline. They're not really getting great offers from a lot of teams out there at the moment. So... I agree with that. I don't think you just move him for the sake of moving a a star player because he says he wants out. You've got to get the good package back. So it could extend out for a long time, in my opinion. Um, Drew Eubanks, they lost. Cam Reddish, they lost. They added Scoot Henderson, obviously picked three in the draft. And Chris Murray was also drafted late in the first round. Um, Winners, I don't think there's really any winners here. I think the loser here is Anthony Simons at this stage. Now, if Lillard is traded they don't get any more guards back, then Simons could be a bit of a winner, but at this stage, he's not going to be playing many point guard minutes because of the addition of Scoot Henderson, so he's really just there to shoot and space the floor, and when it comes to fantasy, that is somewhat valuable, but not as much as sort of also getting those assists that come along with playing some minutes at the point guard position, because Scoot is going to do a lot of that. I also think that you're going to see a step up from Shaden Sharp this year. Um so I think that Simons is is a tricky one because we don't know what's going on with Damien Lillard but I think he is definitely someone that even if Lillard is traded maybe Simons is another one they look to trade as well so I think all around he's a bit of a, a loser in this situation here now Lillard will be Lillard he will he I believe is you know the consummate professional he will do what the team asks of him so he'll he'll be there in my opinion um I imagine if Lillard's still there you might see Scoot come off the bench maybe Maybe Simons comes off the bench. I don't know. They might want to just get the reps in with Scoot and Lillard together. Lillard can at least space the floor. Scoot can put that rim pressure um, and and help Dame. Uh, who knows? I mean, I think Scoot is an amazing talent. So it wouldn't shock me if he just gets that starting position with talent alone. Um, he's a, a bigger guy, and his he's he guards bigger than his six foot two. I think. Um, Size, So I think he can play, you know, next to other guards. So I wouldn't be shocked if he starts and Simons comes off the bench, further supporting my sort of Simons off the bench. And maybe Shaden Sharp also starts over maybe a, a Matisse Thibault or a Nasir Little. So they could also be considered losers here. But it's all up in the air at this stage for Portland. So um, I don't think there's any clear winners with all their moves this season, but a lot of unknowns still to happen. Okay, last few teams here. Sacramento, pretty uh, boring on this this one here. They lost Shimezi Metu. They added Chris Duarte. Winners, no one. Losers, no one. They're basically going to roll back the same team. You might see Duarte in there. A little bit more instead of maybe a Malik Monk. So you could say Monk is a slight loser, but I'd probably still put Malik Monk over him, and he was sort of fringe fantasy relevant anyway. So... I don't think we have spent too much time on Sacramento. The next one, San Antonio. They obviously had the big addition of Victor Wembanyama in the draft. They only lost uh, Keita Bates-Diop. Probably butchered that. Um, but they also added campaign Reggie Bullock and City Sissoko drafted in the second round, who I quite like. So, winners, there's not too many. I, I did put Zach Collins here as a bit of a winner just because I think that it's been voiced by Victor Wembanyama and his representatives, and also I believe the San Antonio Spurs, that they want to protect Victor Wembanyama, especially in his rookie season and play him less as a five, more as a four, more as a power forward. So to me, this helps Zach Collins kind of sustain the value that he had at the end of last season as the starting center. I'm not sure how many minutes he'll play. You still got Charles Bassey there. Um, I think they they also have Dominic Barlow on a two-way contract who is also a a potential five there. So I think Zach Collins can get minutes in the high 20s, which is enough for him definitely to have value in fantasy rosters. So I think for that reason and the importance of nurturing and protecting Victor Wembanyama in his first season, Zach Collins is a slight winner here. The biggest loser, in my opinion, here is Keldon Johnson, who, in my opinion should come off the bench and I think I've seen some comments about him being willing and accepting of coming off the bench for this team which is a nice surprise I I thought he might be the kind of type that you know demands that he stays starting but in my opinion you have um, Vassell Sohan Wembenyama Zach Collins and probably Trey Jones as you're starting uh, five there so I think Keldon Johnson is that guy that loses out and moves into a bench role now he might still get good usage off the bench and good minutes. Um, it, it could even end up being a good thing for his value as long as he still maintains those minutes. Um, that is the key there. But on the surface, he's a bit of a loser moving to a bench role. Um, but it could easily be offset with a high usage in the second unit. So that's a little flag there at this moment. And then the Trey Jones thing... Look, he's not locked in as a starting point guard of the future. He's serviceable, um, but the addition of Cameron Payne, you might see more of a minute split there between him. You've also got a few other guys in, you know, Blake Wesley and Malachi Brenham who can do some things in terms of playmaking. So I just think it's less of a barren landscape at point guard at San Antonio than it was last year with the addition of campaign, who I I still actually quite like um, as sort of like that that backup point guard who can play decent minutes there. So I think that Trey Jones is a bit of a loser here and um, we won't see him being drafted as high as he was last year. All right, and the last team, the Utah Jazz, who have a little bit going on here. Um... Because they didn't lose too much, but they've added a fair bit compared to their roster last year. So they've lost Rudy, Go- Rudy Gay, and they've added John Collins in that trade. They drafted Taylor Hendricks, Keontae George, and Bryce Sensorbor, and signed Omer Yurtseven as well from free agency. So you look at that, and they haven't lost too much in terms of... Um, rotation guys, and they've added a few guys that I think will definitely be in the rotation. The big names being John Collins and Taylor Hendricks, Keontae George. I think all of those guys get decent minutes straight off the bat here. Um, and I think they're trying to push for a play-in spot. So the first loser I've got here is Walker Kessler. Now, from the early samples of podcasts, videos, articles that I'm seeing out from other fantasy analysts out there, a lot of people are getting quite. High on Walker Kessler. I've seen him go as high as the end of the second round, which I cannot get behind. I think there's a real risk. I tweeted out the other day there's a real risk of him being overhyped and overdrafted this season. He was great last year and obviously has a great um, ranking when it comes to his fantasy basketball stats. I'm just bringing him up right now Um, because of the blocks, because of the field goal percentage, the rebounds. He obviously was, uh, I think, an all-time shot blocker in college um, with his insane block rate. And in 23 minutes, he was the 57th ranked player last year. But that to me is very misleading um, because he's given you value, insane value in blocks, great value in field goal percentage, rebounds, and also he doesn't turn the ball over, obviously. But I just want to caution people, and maybe I'm wrong in this because he could easily come out and put up a Robert Williams-type season, but... I just don't think it's guaranteed that he's going to see a massive increase in playing time. Um, as a starter, he played twenty seven point six minutes per night and was a top fifty guy, forty seventh ranked player. He had a terrible free throw percentage. Um, you know, average eleven and ten with two point seven blocks on seventy two percent field goal. But there's a real risk that. This team plays um, John Collins as a center, and they, they push Larry Markin and still at the four. They They've also want to probably get Taylor Hendricks some minutes. He's probably best as a four, in my opinion, as well. You've still got Kelly Olinick there. They went out and signed Emmer Yertsevin for whatever reason, so maybe there's a risk there as well. I just think that it's not a foregone conclusion that he's... Now, just this starting center locked in, he's going to see 30-plus minutes a night. Um, I'm open to being proven wrong with that one, and I'm definitely open to changing my opinion as the preseason unfolds. But at the moment, I would peg him still at that 25, 26 minutes per night. So maybe a marginal increase on last season just because he's a year older and and more into the system. But there is that risk there that John Collins coming over, Larry Markkinen, Kelly Olenek, Still there. Taylor Hendricks there as well, who I think is a good player and plays best as the four. They might play a few more small ball lineups. Kelly Olinick still is there trying to push that play in. I think he could be a potential loser here. Now, that might be a hot take, but we'll see how it all goes. I also think Larry Markin is a slight loser, especially if he moves and plays more small forward. We saw, obviously, last year him break out at Utah. Um, and we kind of predicted a little bit because he was moving back more to a power forward position after playing small forward in Cleveland. So I think logic would say if he goes back to playing small forward, he probably takes a little bit of a dip. He still is probably the main guy on this team. So he's not going to go back to Cleveland, Larry Markkinen, but I still think last year is not something we should expect this next season. Um, So for that reason, he's a slight loser. And Colin Sexton is the last loser here because I think there's a real battle between him and Keontae George as kind of that starting point guard. Um, Sexton, on this team, overall, they lack playmaking um, because you've got Sexton and Clarkson as sort of your backcourt, Collins, Markkinen, Kessler, Hendricks. None of those guys strike me as amazing playmakers. So Keontae George probably pips him in that area as a, a passer. So potentially they, they run him more with that starting group to sort of set everyone up. But it will be interesting to sort of see... The battle there. I'm just not sold on him. uh, Sexton, that is being sort of that high usage, high minutes guy. So, with a few other draft picks and other talent coming to this team, I think he just loses out a little bit there. So, that will do it for us today, guys. Um, Let us know what your thoughts are. Where are you planning on drafting Walker Kessler this starting uh, fantasy basketball season? It is early, obviously, so we've got lots of water to still go under the bridge, but. I'm excited to get started back into it. If you have been tuned out a little bit on fantasy basketball um, during the off-season, it's time to start to get back into it. Make sure you guys give a big thumbs up onto this podcast and on this video. Make sure you are subscribed over on the YouTube channel as well. And uh, if you can, go over and give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you guys next time. Laters.